Hello again. Good evening. Man, this never really usually happens, but I figured um, if I can try to use my time alone after my son goes to bed, I've, and of course if I'm feeling up to it, I can do another segment. Um, you know, considering that we are getting, you know, done with this book, but, um, you know, there's like 24 chapters and we're on chapter 17. So might as well try to finish her up, especially before my inducement date. Or, you know, if I go earlier, who knows? I really hope I don't go as I'm trying to do a podcast. Could you imagine? All of a sudden I'm doing this podcast and you just hear me wincing in pain completely. Um, but it would probably be deleted anyway, considering there is an undo button. You probably also noticed I decided to add an, an interlude into the beginning, which is completely awesome because <laughs> I accidentally pushed the record button and I sighed really loud. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, that was, that was attractive. <laughs> anyway, um, so the next chapter is thoughts on raising solid children. Now, again, there, you're always told, and I've been told this, that there's no right or wrong way of raising your children, uh, like parenting. Um, there's, there's a lot of parenting books out there, but honestly, it's pretty much you take them just as advice. They're pretty much advice columns. They're not exactly permanent for you to, oh, you have to read it and you have to put it into action. I mean, that's, you know, boarding school shit right there, but you don't have to. I just know that this uh, segment, the or should I say these chapters about children reading are in this book is just pretty much another advice column, at least to me it is. But like I said earlier on in the first segment about this chapter on kids is that you can take it or leave it. Um, you don't necessarily have to have it. Um, but like I said, it, I think it's very, um, you know, great. So I'm going to try to read a little bit mostly from here because Anne did put a list of certain things. Then I didn't even have to write it down. So it's a little bit longer, so I might try to shorten it and not read you all the huge paragraphs, um, to save time and as to, uh, well, I guess, keep your own attention to what you're looking for. So, the beginning is, if you're hoping to raise superstars, you better off checking that with the parents of Brett, Favre, or Beyonce, or Beyonce. If you are, however, just hoping to raise loving, emotional, stable, hardworking, respectful, decent kids who graduate from college, then read on. No superstars were produced in our home, but I must say Mike and I somehow managed to raise two fine young men who've turned out remarkably stable despite growing up amid the chaotic life of a firefighter. Both of our boys went to college with academic and leadership scholarships. Neither has ever been in any kind of trouble or has been rebelled against us. They are moral and self-disciplined and happy, and we've always been close. That is nice. So she says, how do we do it? Some of it's just pure dumb luck. 
Some of it's simply who they are, but some small portion can be attributed to our parenting. Kids don't come with a set of instructions, just so you know. Um, <laughs> let me say that again. Kids don't come with a set of instructions, uh, but we parents can always look to others for some advice. Whether we like it or not, I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> or actually also throw in there, you may not like it and you're going to get it anyway. Um, so suck it up, buttercup, bite the bullet, whatever. So here it goes. I'll share a few tips with you younger families that we try on our kids and that apparently worked. So she's not like trying to shove it down your throat. This is just something she's giving that you can try. Alright, so number one, keep your kids on a regular schedule even though your firefighter is not. This also goes for the volunteer firefighters because volunteer meaning they go whenever they please. They are not on a set schedule yet and most of them will let most likely go if there is more manpower needed. So, this one is tough because firefighters keep chaotic hours that are generally in direct contrast with everyone else's. Her husband, Mike, was often up all night and needed to try to sleep during the day while she struggled to keep little boys quiet. But she says, what kept us sane and connected in the middle of these chaotic, conflicting hours was to strict in two areas, bedtime and dinner time. During school years... I had the kids in bed at the same time each night whether dad was there to tuck them in or not. Mike had one schedule, the kids had another, and I somehow lived in between the two. And when daddy was home, we sat down to dinner together. I know too many families who never eat dinner together and I think this is a tragedy as sharing a meal is the perfect time to bond. Make it sacred and a simple way of keeping in touch so as not to become like ships that pass in the night or day. We honored mealtime all the way through, even during the teen years. Bedtime, mealtime, two simple cornerstones of stability for the firefighter children. Number two, a work ethic must be taught by doing, not by observing. Alright? This is where people tend to get a little judgy, so... Anyone who knows my boys knows this, which I don't know her boys, so... You don't, a lot of you probably don't know either, but here it goes. They each have an incredible work ethic. I do not believe this happens simply by the parents' example. In fact, the, op the opposite seems to be true. I know a lot of hardworking couples who produced lazy entitled children who seem to think that money falls off trees because the parents do everything and buy everything for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, we taught our kids to value work and to do for themselves from a very young age by giving them chores list. She says, I wrote list hand wrote lists with actual check boxes, then photocopied them so I'd have a whole stack. This was before the days of home computers with printers. As soon as my kids were old enough to read, they were given these lists of age-appropriate duties and shown how to complete them. The chores included feeding pets, hauling garbage with help if needed, even bathing and reading books. Uh, my little boys were not willing bathers. Well, what boy is? They like to stink. Why? I do not know. I wanted them to learn to appreciate hygiene, reading, and the chores list helped with this. So, when a completed chore list was turned in, they received an allowance and award for work. The money was there to do with as they pleased. We typically never just gave our kids anything except on birthdays and holidays. If they won something, they had to earn it. 
They eventually outgrew the chores list and kept mental note of their tasks, even adding more as they became stronger and more mature. By around age 12, they took on all the yard work, splitting the tasks between them as they chose. We let them work it out. Oh, I bet that was kind of a fight, though. At age 14, they expanded their earning potential by doing yard work and dog care for neighbors and extended family and friends. In high school, as all boys and girls should, they both landed after-school jobs and helped make their own car payments. In our house, if you wanted a car, you paid for it. So, again, um, when I first got my car, I was told my mom would help me with gas a little bit. But being that she um, was more broke than rich, which, you know, because she thrived on owning her own business, building it from the ground up, uh, and she had four of us kids to pay groceries for, sometimes she was behind on bills, that once we got a job, she told us she'd, we'd be paying for our own gas um, and maybe even helping out the cell, occasional cell phone bill. I, on the other hand, did all of that, but I also um, asked if I could help in any way with other bills, which I did hand her sometimes money to pay for things as I was still living under her roof um, before I went to college. Uh, so I was able to kind of learn the hard work, work ethic, especially when I worked at a very greasy fast food restaurant, which I did enjoy, but that's the thing. My high school part of me enjoyed it. But if I were to go back now, I would be freaking miserable. <clears throat> but I realized how much respect and appreciation I had for the hard work ethic with people behind the counters. That's for sure. All right. She goes on to say for the last part, we told our kids that we are a team, that each of us had our part to do if we were to make it as a family. They had something to contribute and we as their parents needed them to help. And the way we made them want to help was by rewarding them with an allowance, with praise, with appreciation, and with respect. Number three, pets help kids become caring, tender-hearted people with a keener respect for life. Now, here's the deal. If you're really hard-headed about not having pets with your kids, that's completely fine. Um, maybe when they're at an appropriate age. Um, I know a lot of parents tend to have... Uh, try to put puppies when they're babies, you know, and then they can grow up with the puppy as they grow. Um, you know, but just word of caution, be very careful of what you choose, especially the breeds and stuff, because I mean, I'm not saying that all animals are mean. It just really depends on their personality. And the fact that there has been some incidents where the big dog accidentally will knock over the kid so hard that they bonk their head and they, you know, bleed and they got to go to the ER, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so, as we all know, the firefighters face death regularly. The deaths of others and even the threat of death for themselves just really depends on their situation. This reality of firefighting is something we parents strive to shield our kids from, and rightfully so. We don't want our little ones to have panic attacks every time their firefighter parent heads to work. But at the same time, we want our kids to know a little of death. So they can not only be a bit better prepared if the work should happen, but also to appreciate the value of life.
<clears throat> so, you know, enter a pet. A pet is a good, safe place to start on this topic. Um, we all love our pets. Even though they're not human, it's a gradual stepping stone along this path, though. First creatures to enter the home, you know, are usually, you know, hamsters or guinea pigs. Um, and when I'm, I mean, like, besides puppies. Sometimes even frogs and bugs, because especially the boys are all like, Oh, look at this slimy creature I brought into mom's nice living room. <laughs> Ribbit. You know? So, when it comes to a four-legged furry friend, a baby, there is a deeper affection, all right? And it brings it more tender, deeper, you know, like tender hearts, deeper character, and better understanding of what the firefighter spouses do for a living, trying to preserve that life. Firefighters try to preserve life as much as possible. Even as a burning building is on fire, there will be times where they try to save it as much as possible before, you know, a contractor goes in there, insurance person says, oh, well, it's not really livable, but, you know, it's fixable. So, they have to learn even with challenges that are presented to themselves in a chaotic schedule, the dangers of, of the job, and often tight finances. And of course, because firefighters aren't exactly the richest either. Which they put into the precious lives of the fur babies. And learning that not all animals live as long as we do. So if you can teach your kids early on, when I mean early, I mean pick an appropriate age where they start understanding that if they're going to care for something that's living and breathing, just like the firefighters do when they go out and they're either saving someone's life from a car or a burning building or blah, blah, blah. They got to put all their time into caring, you know, for it. Now, I'm not saying make them, you know, go get a job in diapers and say, okay, here you go, go make a salary so you can, you know, take care of your pet. That's not what I'm saying. With a little help and understanding and appreciation, um, you can get them to understand that life is precious, but then once the time comes, that it's, death is inevitable okay it cannot be ignored unfortunately and if you want to tell every if you want to tell them that every animal goes to a better place then that's fine i mean i honestly necessarily don't know i can't tell you <laughs> i know that i have a cat and i love her dearly and i know when she dies she's i'm going to be a wreck because she was my first fur baby that kept me sane when I was going to college. Um, and my three-year-old son loves her to death. So, this is where I don't know until it happens. Number four, certain habits create good students. Okay, just so you know, 
as a student who struggled in high school, but I freaking aced college and was on the dean's list during the fall, like, it's, everyone's different, everyone learns different, just so you know, okay, you're, I mean, yeah, you could be really bad at math, but really good at English, you could be really bad at English and be good at math, or you can be good, excuse me, good at sci science, silence, good at science and good, spectacular history, but suck at everything else, okay, but that's not, that shouldn't hold you back for trying to at least get C's, um, and be an average student. All you can really do is help your little one to, to thrive and strive as much as possible when it comes to going to school and teach them as much as possible or follow the directions that the teacher has given them as best to your ability to help them understand the best of their ability so they can, you know, think a little bit better. Um, I wouldn't push any kind of other education on them unless they really want to. I know there are a lot of parents out there who are wanting their uh, perfect A student to go to a university slash um, sorority just because their mama went there and she became president or taught fucking Queen Beanie of the sorority house. And, you know, that's te technically that would be the kid living their dream for them. And that's never good. It's kind of like toddlers and tiaras. I actually believe those moms only make those toddlers do that because they couldn't live the dream anymore and um, they wanted to keep living the dream. So they're making their toddlers do it. And that's what I freaking believe in. So, um, let's see. Study habits and rights should be encouraged as well. Uh, my boys did their homework before they could play video games or watch TV, which I do freaking agree with. Like, you got homework, do it before you do anything else. Chores, TV, playing games can wait. Okay? I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, they were given as much help as they wanted. I was heavily involved in their studies and monitored their work very closely. Well, guess what? Um... We'll see once uh, my son gets there, but since he's in preschool, it's one of those things where I just have to watch his everyday folder that comes home uh, to see what, you know, I need to fill out and put back in the folder for school. Um, she says that, yeah, they begin to falter a little, which all kids do, and I let them as middle school grades don't impact their high school transcripts. I allowed them to experience what it was like to get a lower grade so they learned responsibility in time for high school when it mattered most. So, that's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but just firmly tell them that, you know, this is it's a learning experience. But don't let them off the hook completely. Say, okay, what did we learn? To study harder, right? Alright, so you're going to study harder. Cool. Okay. Need to study harder. Um... I actually took responsibility at one point in my high school career where it was, it was actually my senior year and I would set a timer when it came to study for hard tests that I, you know, felt like were hard for me. I set a timer and especially if it was a test and then, you know, another test after that period or two periods over. Um, so pretty much two tests on the same day. I would study for 10 minutes. Once that alarm went off, I'd then get the other category out and I would study for that one. So I started to take responsibility 
in my studies by doing that. Number five, if you want your kids to have positive peers, get involved in the class. Okay, this is hard because the way society is now, every little finger is pointed at the smallest things. And then it makes you fearful of being a parent. Like, you know, the saying that's going around today, everyone's a Karen. You know, the bitchy moms with that haircut who think they're all that and... They go to Starbucks every freaking day, and if they don't get what they want, they have to talk to the manager. If the manager can't help them, then they go and talk to the manager's manager because they're still not happy, blah, 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 blah. And they're very judgy, and they try not to sound that way by saying, well, don't let anyone tell you that. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure you're telling me that, but you're trying to make it passive-aggressive. Thank you, Karen. Um, that kind of thing. So, this is... um. I'm going to read this as best I can to you. And like I said, you can pick out what speaks to you and what you want to try. Like I said, I get a little iffy because as a person who's more creative and right-brained and also kind of just a simple person, like I like the simple things in life and, but I, I'm also empathetic. I, you know, I like more down to earth people. It's really hard for me to actually connect to a lot of uptight uh, other moms who seem like they can't get a grip or they can't, I mean, can't relax. So that's very hard for me to do. Um, well, she says here the reason she wanted to be in, the, in her boys' classroom was one, to see how the children were were faring and two to see what their peers were like um get to know the other moms get to know the other kids that were their friends and of course getting to know like where they were at at all times when they went to go to other homes to play and of course games and everything and just remember that kids are not always the best at judge a character and teenagers can be worse during the high school years, she says, we no longer allowed in, were allowed in the classroom, so we became the hangout house after school instead. We didn't want our kids going to homes where there were no parental supervision, so we encouraged our boys to bring their friends here. Or here meaning their home. Another plus to being a firefighter, having a dad around to set the rules. Being the hangout house look took extra work on our destructive, unintentionally, uh, unintentionally usually, but having a house full of raunchy, smelly <laughs> teenage boys was worth the sacrifice because we knew what they were up to. And besides, they kept us laughing with their crazy antics. They were given lots of freedom. And though we were, we were there, we rarely intervened except at certain times. Like the time I saw them loading cement blocks into our fishing boats. <laughs> When, when asked what they were doing, they said, we're going to hold one as we jump in to see how deep down we could go. <laughs> Brilliant ideas like these are why boys at least need some adult supervision through the teen years. Though crazy and intrusive and loud and ravenous, being the hangout house was worth it. Trust me, you'll miss those days when they're gone. My house seems very quiet. <laughs> 
well, okay then. Or, you know, if you're my brothers and they're like, try to hit me as hard as, hard as you can with that bat. So I can, so I can, you know, tough it out when it comes to a baseball game. <sighs> Idiots. Number six, help your child have high self-esteem and stay out of trouble by finding their hidden talents and interests. Oh my God. <sighs> um, I don't know how many times, like, this mistake is made even by parents of tinier kids who start to learn their personality and self-esteem. So everyone has a talent, a gift, something that makes them unique and special. And being a good student is beneficial, but it isn't everything. During the teen years, especially confidence can begin to wane, which is why it's so important to have hobbies well established by that age. So begin finding them early. We all know that feeling with high school. Little kids are a blank slate. A bundle of potential, and it's hard to know just what they'll be good at until you have them try. We tried about everything from sports to music to art, and they were just as excited as we were to do it all. If they showed potential, we pursued it. If they didn't, we let the area slide without telling them they were no good at it. Don't ever tell your kids that, by the way. Um, I know, trust me. Maybe there will be a time you don't even realize you're going to do it, and you do it, and you're like, what the fuck did I say that for? Oh, shit, I fucked up. Um, which, by the way, I might even say it in my lifetime at some point and be like, oh, my God, I did not just say that. When one musical instrument proved to be too hard, we tried another until we got a good fit. FYI, studying music is believed to improve math skills. <laughs> That's why I'm no good at math. Um, I was never in band that long. I tried it, didn't like it, didn't care for it. I rather have, you know, I was trying to sing. I was, because my voice is, I mean, I'm going to say it's good, but I'm not going to brag about it. Michael excelled, one of their sons, at piano and guitar, and Rick, their other son, at trumpet and drums. The boys were good at basketball and swimming, but not so good at other sports, so we let them drop. You know, the thing is, it sucks. The only thing that sucks about letting them drop stuff is that, because you put money into it, and you know you're not going to get that money refundable to you. But the thing is, you've got to think of it as the positive aspect of they tried it. They didn't like it. Don't force them to keep doing it. Yeah, and it's because you're thinking of the financial aspect of it. And you're being selfish when you're thinking of the financial aspect of it. So, you. Um, get a grip. Talents can include interests and hobbies such as collecting baseball cards, paintball and airsoft guns, fishing, hunting, and youth group or charity involvements. Anne says, I raised my boys, as you can tell, no girls. <laughs> Keep your kids involved in as many areas as possible, especially during the teen years. Otherwise, they may begin to get bored or impatient. Or, you know, go frickin' rebel somewhere and get destructive. This boredom or dissatisfaction can result in social withdrawal into the lone wolf mentality. Or getting into trouble with drugs, even crime. Talent wants to be used. If it's not used for good, it will be used for bad. Guys, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't the perfect teenager, especially when I was becoming a fresh teenager. Um, but that was because there was other things going on in my life that just didn't feel like they were respected. And I just had a lot of dissatisfaction. And now when I look back at it, I realize why I was being so destructive is because I just was needing... My needs weren't being met by certain things or certain people. And 
I didn't know how to really gather a hobby. Um, so really, my really only escape, especially if I was by myself, I just put in my earphones and I jammed out to my iPod Nano, if any of you remember those. Um, mostly to scream out emo music. But the thing is, I also would sing to myself really high. Um, I was a soprano at one point. I mean, I would sing these songs when I was around and, you know, it's it really helped cope. But the thing is, I just never put into action to something that I didn't think would become a hobby. Number seven, family time is daily, not just during holidays or vacations. Okay, so because of the erratic firefighter schedule, <laughs> Quality family time can be lost, especially if you're waiting for big chunks of free time to overlap brawl. We busy families can push meaningful interaction aside, missing out on golden opportunities each day to connect, hoping instead to get caught up during expensive vacations or holidays. But life is most enjoyed if a little time, just a few focused minutes, is treasured each day. Family life is made up of our simple routines as well as our grander traditions. Um, oh, she writes it. Oh, I forgot she writes an example. So, for example, make getting out of bed in the morning special with silly wake-up songs. Play I Spy during your daily drives to and from school or to various activities. Share the day events over dinner, even that can be made into an enjoyable game. As each of you takes turns saying, today I learned that. Um, you know... That's easier said than done because our we give our phone we give we give our phones kids we give our kids phones too early in life, and the one part aspect of it is because some parents are like, well, I give my son or daughter a phone because that way they can call nine one one if they're not feeling safe. And of course, with all those perverts, like okay, great. Well, then how about you limit that time? It seems like as parents, we don't seem to care to put even parental locks on anything anymore because it's like oh we're trying to trust them as much as possible i get that and trust but thing is trust should be earned and also shown uh to the parent as well as the parent showing it to the kid so every day can be as special with your kids and all the little things you do we still to this day love to have heart to hearts with our grown sons oh that's so nice um, we talk of the simple such as shows we've watched or books we've read, and we talk of grander things such as our hopes and dreams for the future or family prayers. So don't let your family become isolated by television, computers, video games, and cell phones. Day-to-day -day bonding in simple ways is not only free, but absolutely priceless. Don't miss out is pretty much was what she's summing up. Eight, childhood obesity is best avoided through freedom, not strict rules. This is another thing that is kind of controversial. Because believe it or not, there are a lot of parents out there who believe, well, if I give my kid this, you know, and just let them have it, they're going to be fine. Their metabolism, they'll grow out of it when they get older, which some do, but... Um, you guys, the things I have seen on TV, like there was one on Dr. Phil. Um, I can't remember. I think it was a son or a daughter of someone. And the parent just let them eat and eat and eat. And they were like almost 300 pounds at the age of eight. Um, therefore, 
they were very morbidly obese for their age and probably could have a heart attack and die. So, um, you know, I'm going to read this with caution and take it as you will. Okay. So Anne says, I know this idea flies in the face of modern conventions for it seems that people today are more obsessed than ever with what they eat. Every day I hear of a new dietary restrictions from the people I meet. Like, I eat this and I don't eat that, yet American kids just seem to be getting fatter and fatter. My kids were never overweight. In fact, they were always quite slim. Today they are fit young men and they both work out almost every day. One might think I was some sort of Nazi with my boys, but I was, in fact, quite the opposite. I had two simple food rules in my house. One, mom is not a short order cook, so you eat what's put in front of you. And two, you never have to eat all of what's put in front of you. Just stop when you're full. I learned very early that children have tiny little bellies. They literally can't eat very much at one time. So it's cruel to force them to. I let my boys graze all day. They were allowed to snack at will, but with my choice of snacks. I did not limit sweets and I did, or sorry, I did limit sweets and they rarely drank pop. Even as adults, they prefer beverage for wa like water as their beverage. But sugar was never forbidden. They had to sit at a table and actually eat dinner with us, but they had to, they never had to clean their plates. I genuinely believe that forced feeding and strict dietary rules cause children to become preoccupied with food, which may lead to eating disorders. Of course, food isn't the only issue with weight. Activities should be present as well. With the dangers from predators, today our kids can't run around unsupervised, so you must supervise playtime, make it safe. This requires more effort than ever for us parents, but it's worth it. I did this by sharing the work with other parents. Send them to each other's houses, take turns. Kids are more active when they have buddies to play with, and this can happen all year, not just during sports seasons. And because Dad the firefighter had to work out to do his job, the boys learned all about gym equipment from an early age. This possibly helped most of all because children often follow their parents' lead. Make family outings include some of the type of movement like swimming, biking, or hiking, and this will make all of you strong. Like I said, take that as you will. Um, I know my son doesn't, because he's a toddler, he grazes. But I will not let him eat just sugar and snacks. Um, like the stuff that is, you know, he shouldn't be like eating like candy and um, like a whole bunch of, I don't want to say, well, chips. Some chips that aren't that good, but um, animal cookies that have those frosting on it, you know. I, I tell him if he wants something, especially if it's sweet, but it's, you know... He didn't really eat his lunch. Uh, I want him to eat some fruit. He loves apples, we found out, and grapes. So I tried to give him those and bananas. Nine, if you want your child to find a good spouse and be a good spouse and watch how you treat each other. Um, yeah, this is very true. Especially with um, a lot of moms today who have sons. Um, saying on social media a lot, saying that um, I'm going to be the one... Or something with treating your wife, treating his wife. I'm I'm raising my son to treat your daughter right. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, let's look deeper into that, shall we? 
Researchers at the University of Washington claim they can predict with 87% accuracy which newlyweds will divorce and which will stay together for a, long, a lifetime. How do they determine this? They, their predictions are based on how a couple talks to each other. Those expressing fondness and love to each other tend to last. Those who were rude and critical often divorced. I've known couples like the latter. They're nice to everyone else except their spouse. In fact, their bickering is so prevalent it makes everyone in the room uncomfortable. And many of these couples did eventually divorce. Imagine being the child of these people. They learn that mom and dad are hostile to each other. So that's how they should allow themselves to be treated by their own spouse someday. Or they treat their spouse that way. Is this really what you want for your children? Mike and I have always treated each other better than others, not worse. We speak well of each other in front of people and behind closed doors. Show your kids by example what you want from them in their own marriages. Treat your spouse with kindness, friendship, encouragement, and support. And this is what your kids will choose for themselves. This is what our son Michael did. He married his best friend, not his biggest critic, which is exactly what we wanted for him. And he also he has nothing but praise for his bride, which makes us proud of the kind of husband he is. I'm going to tell you guys this, and I've, I think I've told you this before in one of my segments, but my husband and I talk a lot of stuff out before our heads hit the pillow at night, or one of us starts snoring, because we really care about each other's feelings. We care about each other's futures. We care about each other's self-care. Um, yes, there may be times where we find ourselves raising our voices, but then I, you know, especially me, I try to stop myself as much as possible, and I say, okay, hold on, let me calm down for a second. And he sits there and goes, okay, that's fine. And we just kind of keep going. But sometimes it's that being firm, um, you know, is still okay. And it can be adjustable, but I try to stay calm and, and firm as possible to make him understand this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. How do we solve this? And then end the discussion and once we solve it. 10. If your child does not respect you, they will not truly respect themselves or anyone else. So respect is fun, is foundational to good parenting. So much that you so much that if you fail this area, no matter what else you do for your kids, you failed as a parent. Parental at respect, what does it mean? Well, we know when we see it, but we especially recognize it when it's absent. Absent. I can't talk. Meh. Absent. You've met these children and so have I. Me too. Um, you try to avoid them. We don't want to be around them. We may in fact secretly wish to be mean to them. Well, referring to the spoiled brat. We watch in horror as these little beasts slap at their parents. Or, yeah, slap at their parents. Defy them, yell and scream at them, and completely disobey with absolute defiance. We think, man, that kid's a monster. But the truth is, the real monster is the parent who has failed to earn this child's respect. They are doing their child a great disservice by making them unfit for society. Like today, I do not understand, um, you know, who Daniel, whatever her name is, or best known as Bad Barbie. Catch me outside, how about that? God, I mean, apparently her mom did not care to shut her down when she needed to be shut down. Jeez. So, 
<clears throat> this leads to the second. No, no, we need the first step. First step is to set rules and boundaries with firmness, not anger. Tell your children, no, no, we do not hit. No, we do not yell or scream. No, we can't have everything we want in the minute we want it. Make the rules clear. Define the boundaries, and when they've been crossed, let it be known that there will be consequences. Step two, proper discipline. What is proper discipline? Well, okay, what is proper discipline? Apparently, the younger generation feels even spanking is abuse. <clears throat> Don't know why. Proper discipline is consistent and fair. It is enforced equally with all children. It is done with resolute strength countered by patience and love. And most importantly, proper discipline occurs only when the offender clearly understands the rules, but knowingly defies them anyway. For example, we never punished our boys for childish behavior, such as accidentally breaking or spilling something. We never punished them for forgetting to do something, which is again due to, due to immaturity. But we did bring down the law when they deliberately and blatantly defied us and we did it early and consistently if you set the boundaries right and away and enforce them regularly they will be honored because your kids will then know without a doubt that you mean what you say so teaching your child to respect you and others does not end with telling them what's wrong it also must include showing them what's right so the third step is to earn your child's respect by example again this should begin early if you don't want your children to yell and scream at you then don't yell and scream at them. Okay. Um, a lot of moms give the look. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the perfect mom. I have yelled and screamed at my toddler because I have had it for the day. There has been times where he will go. He has went all day defying me before. Um, to the point where I actually hit my breaking point And I yelled and I put him in his room. And I went to my room, but luckily, you know, I mean, I should never scream. That's the point. But other than that, I took a time out for myself. All right. I am trying to get better, especially with being pregnant. And, and then, of course, I'm going to have to even be a lot better once his brother is here. So I'm going to be in this learning process. Okay. I'm going to be in this learning process. I am starting already in this learning process. Show respect in public and more importantly at home. Speak to your children with praise and support. Encourage them, don't call them names. Mock them or criticize them. With kindness and consistency, they will grow to trust you, which is the basis of all respect. If you are considerate of them, they will be considerate of you. If you respect their possessions and give them ownership they will respect yours and if you demonstrate character they will listen to you and lastly if you want your children to have respect for others let them see that you do firefighters you have an instant leg up in this area as few have more honor or care more about people than you bring your kids to work and let them see you in action as you serve others and they will witness firsthand what it means to be a positive contributing member of society Okay. Because, you know, they are truly self-sacrificing. And they're very selfless. Let your kids see this from an early age. And they'll admire you beyond words. And your courage will make them, will make you their hero for life. 
and the admiration will carry through even the most disrespectful years of all. The teens! Okay. Oh my goodness. A true hero and excellent father. Okay? Well, the respect boys feel for their firefighter dad is clearly, you know, a, a, or just any dad, any good dad, is clearly, you know, the front and center. Okay? When a boy, especially a son, not just a daughter, a son, especially sees their dad being who they are being, and, you know, a, a good man, a good contributor to the family, they are going to want to look up to their father. Okay? So, step one, a terrific example. Mm -hmm. Being a good father, firefighters, you are already this simply by virtue of being what you are. Children and firefighters admire what their parents do for the community. They are everyday heroes. They're hardworking, brave, and committed. These are all traits that kids can be proud of. A loving presence. A good father's tender, gentle, affectionate man that clearly shares his heart and his feelings with his children. He is approachable. This is always important to remember. Firefighter dads, as your profession can harden your heart, even to your own children, if you let it. In the business of life and death, a tender heart is more easily broken. Hence, the tendency become tough. It is therefore even more of a sacrifice for you to remain soft for the sake of your kids. But this sacrifice is well worth your efforts as you will raise emotionally healthy children who flourish in the secure knowledge of your love. A guiding hand. A good father teaches his children respect through proper discipline. Children will walk all over you if you let them. Undisciplined children tend to be unmanageable, lazy, poor students, and ultimately dysfunctional and unemployable adults. Mom can do a lot of the discipline, but let's face it, the ultimate authority, the heavy, the one kids truly tend to fear is dad. With but a word, dad can bring his unruly children back under control. Good dads don't check out when parenting gets tough. Instead, they step in, take a hands-on role, and keep the kids from getting out of control, especially through the teen years when limits are stretched to the ultimate. Guidance will help the kids on course to becoming the best that they can be. Now, here's the deal. I can discipline my toddler. Problem being, because, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent, and they're used to seeing you and hearing you and blah, 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 they think they can step on you or try to. And the dads, for some reason, tend to have this masculinity about them when it comes to Excuse me again. I'm so sorry. Um, especially with their sons. And they got that booming dad voice. Hey! You know, boom. That's the fear of God that they can put into them. And everything comes to a halt and they can listen. A leader by example. A good father inspires his children to follow his advice if he leads by example. Okay. A protector. Oh, wait. No. Do as I say and not as I do. I better read that part is a recipe for disaster as a father as the footsteps you try to cover up are the ones your kids will follow yeah so don't yeah so do as I say not as I do like don't don't say that anymore 
A protector. Like a father makes his children feel safe, not just in the world, but also at home. Dad is strong. Dad is capable. And dad has my back. He will keep the bad guys away. He will help me fight my battles. And he will be a source of encouragement wherever I go. With dad like... With a dad like this, a child can accomplish anything as feelings of safety develop self-confidence. Fear, on the other hand, only produces uncertainty, insecurity, and nervous, anxious hearts. So dads, even of um, daughters, okay, we will be getting, I don't know, is that in here? Yes, that will come later, but dads of daughters, the love God. Same thing with boys. Give them the self-confidence. There's a lot of men out there for some reason who have daughters and even though they don't really know anything about a woman, the human being of a woman, they can still try to tell their daughter that they deserve a lot more than disrespect and not feeling confident about themselves. And when dads don't give that or they give the opposite, then they're, make, they're leading their daughters to believe that they're not good enough for the world. So, if you don't have sons, at least put it to your daughters. A spiritual head of the family. A good father instills morals and values in his children. Whatever your religious beliefs may be, it is important to share them with your children as these views are the ones they will tend to adopt for themselves as adults. If a father is a poor role model mothers will be forced to look to other men in the family to guide their children as men have profound influence on children a good father does not neglect his children's spiritual needs as this is the area for which character is developed like i said you can take that one as you you want um my husband and i don't go to church our families did and we had to go and, you know, for a short time in our lives, it was something we believed in. Uh, we, My husband believes you don't have to go to church or a certain building just to worship the Lord. I mean, you can worship the Lord wherever you damn well please. Um, we're not very, like, really religious. Like, we're not, oh my gosh, we're going to Bible slap the shit out of you. But we just know there's a heaven and a hell. But I also believe that the universe has an ear of emotion. So, you know, I also believe that there could possibly be a mother nature. Um, you know, so it's whatever at this point. Mike, what did you write for us? Okay, well, this one's called Reality Can Bite. Finally, a reality check to finish off all the stuff that I hope will be helpful and adaptable to your situation and the priorities you set as a, as a family. You can do everything right and still end up with a result that will break your heart. Doing the right stuff increases the odds big time that your kids will follow a positive path and become productive adults. But make no mistake about it. Your kids ultimately choose their own path and the type of person they are going to be. For example, you can raise them to be the best kids ever. They can have good grades and all of a sudden, once they get out into the real world, they are drug dealers, crack addicts, living on the streets. Why? 
because they chose that life. I don't understand it either. Also, the ones who became professional athletes, stars on Broadway, threatened to blow up the school. Some have kids out of wedlock. A few are in jail, in the military, firefighters, criminals. They don't speak to their parents, bring great joy, bring devastating heartbreak, and a few are dead. Okay, so that list had positives and negatives. Like he said again, okay, kids will follow a positive path and become productive adults. But make no mistake, your kids ultimately choose their own path and the type of person they are going to be. I Let me say that again. Your kids ultimately... Don't make, okay, make no mistake. Your kids ultimately choose their own paths. Make no mistake. Like I said, you can take all the parenting books and classes all you want and put every, each and every part of it, or, you know, every word of advice into your parenting and they come out shiny but then all of a sudden they choose to do something that will break your heart or, you know, have a very demanding career where they won't talk to you for a while. Make no mistake. But love them as much as you can because... Life is short. There's a lot of parents who still love their kids even though they're out in the street doing drugs or they're dead or they're in jail. They love them very much still. And it sucks that a lot of parents who are parents to pedophiles, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily like people like that I'm not going to get political into it or controversial um, I just don't I mean I can understand the bond between a mom and their kid because I have one but I don't know what a reaction would be if I was a mom of a pedophile um, say you know It's, it's, see, it's hard because I don't know what it's like. So, hope you guys have a great night.